you're listening to I Feel For You. Hello, I'm Dion, a massive introvert, extremely shy and a big weirdo. So glad you're joining me here today. And today we are exploring taking up space in the world, especially if you've ever felt other or like your face doesn't fit. Be that you're living your life in a way that's different to the norm, whatever normal is, or perhaps you're a polymath who wears a variety of hats. Or perhaps you've got an idea to do something differently to what people have experienced before. Or perhaps you just want to challenge the way something is already being done. This episode is dedicated to those who are interested in creating their own spaces in the world and making their own rules. And it's also a message of reassurance, solidarity and support for anyone who could use some on their mission. We celebrate the process of stepping into yourself, cultivating the confidence to do you and embrace your inner weirdo along the way. So we're going to get into the specifics in a minute, but I want to remind you that when this comes out, I've got a couple of free spots to work one-to-one with me in one of my creative coaching programs. It's called Flow and it's six months long and it's where I get to support you on your mission in holding space for your work. I was going to say and your life, but you know, I think I did that to death in the last episode. Anyway, saluting you, RuPaul. Back to the topic at hand. Perhaps you're looking for some support on your own journey and you want some accountability from someone who gets it, who walks with you and digs into the mulch to help you to get where you want to go, but also to enjoy the process along the way. So if that speaks to you, head to my site, dion.space forward slash coaching. And by the way, that's Dion as in Warwick, D-I-O-N-N-E. Not Celine Dion, but you know, she's a boss, so. And if you do dig this podcast, do us a favour and please give us a like and or subscribe on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It would blow my tiny mind to have a review of stars because it really helps us to be found by other like-minded folks who might also dig it too. Thank you so much to everyone who's left me reviews and stars and sent messages of resonance, especially following the last podcast episode, which was number 16. I'm so very grateful. Finally, there is an entire transcript available for this show, along with added goodies, so expect memes, obviously, and a playlist, over on my site, as well as all the show notes and links to everything I've mentioned. So that's available for you at dion.space forward slash podcast, and this is episode 17. Now official business is out the way, let's dive in. On not fitting in and not following the rules. There's often pressure by society to fit in and follow the rules, to be uniform. But if your face doesn't fit, then that becomes difficult. So to those of you out there who don't fit in, you are my people. If you don't want your face to fit, whatever fit means, you're also my people. Who wants to conform? Not I. But it can sometimes come at a cost or demand a different kind of energy. A big dick energy, perhaps. Cultivating confidence to have your own back, which is hard if you haven't had experience of doing that, or if you're shy, like me. 
So over the years, I've spoken with a lot of different people about this topic as I've been trying to find my own way and create my own path. I've worked with a lot of different teachers from all kinds of backgrounds, therapists, coaches and mentors to explore tools and techniques to work on just that, cultivating confidence to create your own space in the world. And so I know I'm not alone in this because it's something that's come up for my clients time and time again over the years. The big question is, how do you create space for yourself when you don't fit in? And I think there are, of course, layers of other questions beneath that big question, like, how can I show up as my full self? Can I do me in my business and still make it successful? How do I become more confident? not just in myself and how I move through the world, but also in my dreams and ideas so I can take them seriously and make them real. I think there's a lot of this stuff that comes up if you're ever faced with the call to show up in the world, which, let's face it, is all the time really, isn't it? Especially in an age when there's a lot of noise around. The demand to be seen feels more pressured than ever. To fit into the dominant monoculture to be doing what everyone else is doing in the way they're doing it. Going to the same places to show that you've been there and done that, wearing the same stuff, buying the same things, which frightens me, to be honest. And no shade to social media at all. It's simply just that, right, at all. And we have a choice in how to use it. We all know that mediocre, vanilla, mainstream route that a lot of people choose to take, right? Again, no shade, but posting the same stuff that's been regurgitated to fit into what's hot right now, what looks identical to countless others out there that reeks of mediocre, right? Is that too shady? You know what I mean, right? I don't mean any disrespect because we all know the reason for the same old stuff getting copycatted and done to death is a clear sign of insecurity. By the way, I have a whole episode and gigantic podcast about copycats. Head to the show notes and I'll link you. So copycatting reeks of insecurity and a lack of belief or trust in yourself that you have something to say. Sometimes that insecurity comes out in an arrogant way, a need for a dogmatic system or enforcing rules that must be abided by. We see this in some yoga circles, right? And I've spoken quite candidly about this over the years and my issues with dodgy power dynamics in the yoga and wellness scene and the world, you know, because it's not just yoga and wellness, right? It's something I've definitely encountered in every single industry I've worked in from music to art to film to health. But there is another way that this insecurity lives in people and that's the crippling self-doubt that keeps you from doing you, from living your life in the way that you want to. It keeps you from speaking your truth and it holds you back from making the leap towards that dream you've had for as long as you can remember. It dismisses that spontaneous but very clear idea you have for a project that you want to create. It stifles that excitement. And the insecurity prevents you from taking up space in the world in the way that you want to. And that, my friends, is a tragedy because the world needs you. I say it all the time, but it's true. It needs you and your voice and you creating and living the life that you want, not the one someone else has told you to. 
So I wanna share some stories with you today about my own journey as well as client aha moments, plus some actionable tips to cultivate confidence in yourself so that you can go out there and take up space as your whole self. Do you babes, especially when you don't see yourself reflected out there in the mainstream. Also expect a ton of resources, all of which, as I said, I'll link for you in the show notes. So a bit about my story. I've had a lot of experience at not fitting in my entire life, to be honest, but this isn't a downer because this made me a shapeshifter and it gave me perspectives of the world that I wouldn't have had if I fitted neatly into a box. Being born into a mixed family where some members didn't want me to be there, existing is a radical act. Going from school to school to start over because we moved a lot was good practice at being tossed into a space and required you to scramble and find your footing. Attending copious numbers of all-white schools and experiencing extreme situations as a light-skinned black girl and a brown girl gave me life lessons, albeit some of them excruciating. Then moving to the Caribbean where I was suddenly labeled the white girl was painful, but played a big part of who I am. Colorism is real and I got a good schooling on my own light skin privilege moving around the islands. And from that moment, I refused to be silent on how this matters and still matters in our world. Cause silence is violence. And if you're not part of dismantling structural racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, and other ableist, white supremacist, patriarchal systems, then you're a part of the problem. Know what I mean? I need a sip of tea for the folks that just switched off there. It's actually water, but anyway. So my life to this point has often been about struggling to find my place in different countries and always searching for home yet, knowing it never really exists in one place, but is instead this myriad of spaces. Hence my site being called Dion.space, FYI, because I like to play with the idea of space and creating spaces for people like me, who want to exist, but not just exist, thrive in places that are accepting and safe and free and expansive. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, this shape-shifting and constant movement during my lifetime was often coupled with dismissal, denial, and people writing me off based on how I look, for having parents that were different colors, especially in the 80s where, you know, it was pretty dangerous to have a family that was comprised of people who were different colors, as basic as that sounds. But it gave me so much fuel and I got to do me because I knew there wasn't a space that existed for me to fit in anywhere. I got to create my own spaces and sure, a lot of that was about survival. I usually wasn't invited to other spaces and if I was, it was made very clear to me that I didn't belong. And it was usually accompanied with much criticism about what was wrong with me and why I was not qualified to participate. So yeah, creating my own spaces was a way that I got to survive and feel safer. But at the same time, code switching in order to 
transition between spaces. So code switching basically describes how you learn the codes and conventions of something and you use it as a tool. So for example, understanding the racist white girls who bullied me rules to live by meant that I could always stay a step ahead. So I knew where to go and where not to go, at what time and what provoked them and what deflected them and so on. But knowing them meant also knowing who I was, you know, like what I stood for and didn't stand for. Also, it gave me the opportunity to cultivate a safe space and befriend myself when I was being treated badly. Being good to yourself, you know? Because I found by being true to myself, I was able to access resources to connect with lots of different people in small ways. And this worked in positive ways too, right? Not just about understanding the bullies. I was able to connect with all these different subcultures. For example, I was a total dweeb, age nine. Arguably, I still am. And I had this unhealthy slash healthy obsession with the 1970s subcultures, particularly 70s style and drag and costume and funk and indie bands. Hold on, this could still be now, but you get the gist. I lived on a council estate, a very white council estate in my earlier years. But I was never allowed to play out with the other kids who lived there, so I was a loner. And the only time I'd see the other kids was when I'd be walking to school with all these other working class kids, some of whom were taking drugs back then, age nine, and involved in a lot of crazy violent stuff. I mean, some who were really into some dark shit. Others who were still high on Union Jack white power aesthetics, and it was a time. And I was a weirdo dork who liked magic and I had this very rich inner world where I spent a lot of time writing stories and escaping and playing my music and just dorking out because I was alone a lot. Side note, did I tell you about my Michael Jackson fan club? Did I mention it in the last episode? That was about saying yes to joy and pleasure episode 16. Because you know I was just at the exhibition at the Portrait Gallery, right, in London. With my dear friend Andrea, who, side note, extra side note, just launched her new podcast, which is called The Age of Plastic, which you have to check out because it's brilliant. I'm going to link you to that in the show notes, babes, because if you're interested in making a positive contribution and making this world a better place, really resisting singing Michael Jackson there, then it's for you. So I will link you. Anyway, Andrea and I, we were looking at all the Michael Jackson memorabilia, getting my life, as you do, and guess what, you guys? So in the 80s, I had a Michael Jackson doll, and it was only in that flipping museum, wasn't it? Should we just consider for a moment what that actually means? My toy... <laughs> is now officially a relic that is in a museum. <laughs> Showing my age proudly. <laughs> but you know, to me, it wasn't just a toy. It was an embodiment of Michael, his spirit encased in a plastic figurine that wore gold lame pants and a purple jacket with wispy gold lame accents on the shoulders, like gigantic shoulder pads that were not on the inside of the jacket, but the outside of the jacket. And it was life. Life. 
I'm going to link a picture of it for you in the show notes because it made me emotional. And, (laughs) you know, many people have Michael Jackson dolls, right? But it was often the doll with the thriller outfit. You know, the one with the red and black jacket. The purple and gold version that I had was a bit of a unicorn and no one would believe that I had a Michael Jackson doll or they they discounted this particular outfit. (laughs) They didn't think these garms were so good. It wasn't the mainstream. It didn't fit. Um, And I'm not sure how I made that story time moment segue fit into the theme of this podcast, but here we are, the doll in a museum, the unpopular one, but me loving it anyway and being okay with not fitting in. Because I was a loner that had this Michael Jackson fan club that I used to run from behind the sofa and I used to analyse his lyrics and draw very weird pictures of him um, and fantasise that he was actually there, which would have been extremely weird, I guess, because if he was there, I probably would have just made him a sandwich or a cup of tea or something and maybe watch some cartoons. But anyhow, all of this to say, I was a loner kid a weirdo, and I didn't fit into what was popular or cool or mainstream. I never have. And it's okay, because by holding space for myself and my weirdness, I could befriend this part of me that didn't require validation from the outside in. Instead, I got to practice that from the inside out. And that's what I hope for you, my friends. Do you relate? I grew up surrounded by music, literally. Music was everywhere, in every crevice. It was a physical, oral, spatial, spiritual experience too, I guess, because we all know how healing music can be. Again, refer to podcast episode 16 for more on that. But physically, I had music posters on my wall that weren't Bross or Kylie, who were popular at the time, although I did own the first Kylie LP. but my bedroom walls and ceiling were adorned with artists like Maze and Frankie Beverly. Remember the incredible design of their records and graphics? So good. And Rick James, the Isley Brothers, and Heatwave, and so on. And so it is. Nothing has changed, really, because I'm still pinning them in a Pinterest board. <laughs> Music was part of cultivating that safe space for me. Having this immersive experience, physically, mentally, spatially, spiritually, connecting to something that helped me feel safe and reassured on the inside, even if my experience in the outside world was anything but. But you know the impact of music on our capacity for healing, right? I spoke in depth about music and energy in podcast episode 16, so do check that out if you're interested. So yes, music and allowing space for my inner nerd to thrive was very much a part of learning and practicing how to take up space in the world. It gave me confidence and reassurance and healing and a means of escape to another world. I think to be honest, just knowing that there are other worlds that exist is a very comforting idea. And again, I've been very lucky in my lifetime to have moved around a lot. A lot of people are always shocked and almost sympathetic when they hear how much moving around I did as a kid and how many schools I went to and and imagining the traumas of being the new kid at school all the time and never really being anywhere long enough to establish those lifelong mates from kids kinds of friendships. And I definitely used to be so envious of people that had that. But to be honest, over time, I've realised the blessing in the lesson of having to start again over and over. 
to begin from nothing and simply just having to get on with it. And this isn't some kind of sob story or story of redemption here. I'm just recognising my own privilege at being exposed to a lot of different kinds of situation and some of them more extreme than others and knowing that however bad things feel or however stuck you might think you are that there's always more and there's comfort in knowing that there are other worlds out there so if you don't feel that you fit trusting and finding reassurance that there isn't just one way of being or one particular lifestyle or kind of community is helpful a reminder that there's always space for you. So I wanted to touch a little bit on creating space in the world as an introvert, because we're all just trying to do our best in the lives that we've been given. And for some of us, it takes extra practice to even be able to contemplate or consider taking up space when we've been told that we're too much or that we don't deserve to. And I've always been interested in hanging out with the misfits the oddballs, the ones who don't fit neatly into a carbon copy version of mainstream human. I'm interested in stories and character, in being around those who bring themselves to the table unapologetically, and they build their own tables too. (laughs) But also those who are learning to do just that, because I see myself on that journey too. Because I really think one of the secrets to life and success in business is learning to take up space in the world. And by doing that, stepping into yourself. And that's really at the heart of what I've been thinking about lately. The big question. Are you stepping into yourself? So I've been thinking about my 20s and my 30s too and the pressures that existed to do everything perfectly, which I think so many of us can relate to. I think for so many of us, we go through our lives on our hustle and we're working so hard for so many years and sometimes we don't get to pause along the way to check in. Is this even what I want? Or am I even allowing myself to live my fullest potential? Most frequently, what I see is people who are grafting away, yet never feeling that they're there. You know what I mean? It's like we're waiting for this external validation from someone else to tell us that we've arrived. Setting goal after goal, copious goals, and we might never meet those goals because we're still driving forwards and we don't pause to soak in that process or to acknowledge our achievements or to reflect on what that means or check in on our direction and really honestly ask if it's where we want to go, where we want to be. And linked to that, most importantly, I feel, is checking in with ourselves in the moment and to appreciate the moments and to bathe in the process of becoming. Actually, let me rephrase that. The process of being. Because we all know that life is about the journey, but how often do we hold space for that? How often do we hold space to feel confident in stepping into ourselves? Are you stepping into yourself? Do you know what I mean by that? Like, are you holding space for yourself to be who you are? Are you taking up space as your whole self, unapologetically, if you will? Owning it, as they say. 
And I think about this quite a lot these days as I'm reflecting (laughs) in my late 30s. And I think about all of the things that I was taught. Really, my whole life taught me not to think that I'm anything, to not take up space for so many reasons. And I've always been really shy, but also really hungry for knowledge and excited about learning, hardworking, (laughs) wanting to learn it all and do everything, do it all. But at the same time, to not get above my station. And of course, I was super shy and, you know, a massive introvert. So it wasn't really in my nature to be this cocksure kind of big dick energy person. (laughs) So when it came to me going out into the working world, I started working at 11 and I had a really strong work ethic and I don't regret that, but I feel like perhaps it was just a different time. So I realize I have this part of me that needs to somehow go above and beyond. And it can be helpful sometimes, but others, you know, it's just doing the most and being a bit extra and annoying. I was that annoying kid at school that, you know, you had a project to do and I would sort of be really extra and ask for more homework and things like that, you know. (laughs) It's no wonder that I was bullied, right? But (laughs) but yeah, I'm thinking about some of my earlier jobs in the 90s and particularly when I was working in the media industry in the 90s and also the early noughties actually up till the late noughties and around that time there was always this um, mantra that you would hear from people be it through the institution of school and out into these media institutions into the workplaces You were being told there's no jobs and there's massive competition for everything. So if you want to go to university, be prepared to fight for your place because there's 70 people trying to get one space on this particular course. And there was always this pressure to fight, to receive even the lowliest opportunity. And it's not that I'm looking down on any opportunity I've had, but I guess I was that kind of girl that always felt I'm so lucky to be here that I'll do anything because I appreciate the opportunity and so that attitude of going above and beyond all the time extended into my work and for better or worse it taught me a lot I got to learn a lot but sometimes it meant hurting myself and perhaps putting up with stuff that wasn't good for me and was in fact toxic Shout out to the media industry in the 90s and the early noughties. But yeah, you were constantly told there's no jobs, there's loads of competition and you have to break your back to even get a foot in the door, that you need to be prepared to do anything. And, you know, I'm not sure if much has changed. What was always so clear to me was that those people who held the power were very comfortable with it. But I never saw myself as one of those and I didn't want to be like them because I didn't think you needed to be mean to be a boss, to hold power and to do things in the world. And so in those kind of interactions, sometimes it meant that it was like I was being mistreated and then thanking someone for it because I was just so grateful to have an opportunity. You know, I'd do anything to make it within reason, obviously, because there was always that mantra, you should be grateful to be here. 
to even be worthy to walk in these spaces and to be amongst these people. And that all kind of contributes to a sense of worthlessness, right? You can't own it. <laughs> you know what I mean by it. You can't own your space. You're not entitled. And I see how that for a long period, even after leaving media industries, I would leave and then I'd go into something else like music and then I'd leave music and then I'd go and do something completely different. And then I somehow always ended up being dragged back. So and I'd be back in film or I'd leave film and then I'd somehow end up in PR and then I'd leave that and then it would be theater and so on and so forth. The, the pattern would continue and I see that even when I started my own businesses in 2010, I noticed like a similar attitude that I had, which was this reluctance to own it. For example, I remember as a yoga teacher teaching for years and years and whenever I'd receive feedback that was positive from people, I would not take any of it. <laughs> I would refuse to even call myself a teacher for a really long time. Even now it still feels weird because it's weird, right? We're all students, you know. And, and even with coaching, if you've read my blog post about, oh, so you're a coach now, you'll get a bit more of the story and how I finally <laughs> decided to share with the world that I was coaching people one-to-one, -one, even though I've been doing it for years, decades. I'd been so reluctant to tell people about it because I was worried what people would think. But most of all, I didn't feel that I could step into that space. I would dismiss my achievements and disown my talents and avoid claiming space. Even saying that last bit is still making me feel a bit weird because, you know, it's, like, oh, it's so arrogant, like owning talent or whatever. But I think you know what I mean, right? I hope so. And I feel like now the tables have turned in a way, at least since the 90s and the early noughties, times have changed and the internet has enabled us to have more autonomy, more personal autonomy, and to create and put things out into the world without that authority figure. Of course, they still exist, but we have a lot more freedom to do that and access most importantly, which is something that is just so close to my heart and affects everything that I do. So now we're able to create things and put them out into the world and compose our own narratives and create our own businesses with our own audiences and do our thing without the reliance of traditional gatekeepers, which is incredible, right? I don't think I need to go too far down that road because we all recognize how the internet has empowered so many of us to have a voice and to create our own spaces in the world. But yeah, definitely during my 20s and even my 30s, noticing that thread that started from childhood, needing to prove myself and know that it was never going to be enough, knowing that I had to do everything absolutely perfectly and to always be humble and to constantly be happy with the dregs, you know? 
never being allowed to step into my own space. And so much of this, I think, is about having the confidence to step into ourselves, right? And later on in this podcast, I'm going to be going more into how we can cultivate more confidence. But first, I want to tell you a story about a dear friend of mine. So a couple of weeks ago, I was on a pleasure quest with my good friend and we were sharing a carafe of wine, as you do, at one of my favourite bistros. And it was late afternoon and the sun was getting lower and I turned to her after one of our epic chewing the cud sessions and I asked her, do you feel you can step into yourself as yourself? And she thought about it and we realised at that moment how far we'd come since meeting all those years ago in the early noughties. We worked at an adult education college, South London represent, and (laughs) it's a college that's so close to my heart and I met so many wonderful people working there. All of us in a similar phase of our life, we were on our hustle and working in this college during the day and then we'd go on to our second and third jobs at night and it was a time shout out to Leke and Tristan and Kathy and Morgan and Andrew and Layla by the way so yeah I asked my good friend are you stepping into yourself and I was interested in whether she felt she could own who she was in all her glory and take up space because I look to her as one incredible woman as I do all of my friends I've got so much admiration for her journey. Hackney born and raised and working tirelessly in community development and being a true role model and excellent citizen. In fact, I'm trying to get her to come on the show to talk about her work and share some ideas with you all because I know you will love what she has to say. But she's been so shy and I'm also baffled about that because I'm so in awe of her and it's wild to me, but also really common, right? Hence my question because I see this coming up a lot for my coaching clients too. And it's usually synonymous with those who are clearly brilliant, but fail to see it in themselves. Something, or maybe someone, has made them play small and not speak on their achievements or step into a space where they can own who they are fully. And by fully, I mean accept all the great gifts they possess and celebrate them. And by celebrate, I mean share them without feeling gross. Do you know what I mean? Be gone, imposter syndrome. But I think it's imposter syndrome and more. Because you're already doing your thing, but there comes a point where you're called to step forward and really own it. And I feel this is such a big part of my own journey too. And I'm working on it every day and it's cliche, but very real that we can often see the greatness in others, but lack the skill in owning our own goodness. And yes, some will say it's a British thing, but I've also felt it in other countries like Norway, for example. In fact, there I feel it deeply because there exists this concept or set of rules called Yanta law. It's this crippling set of rules or rather commandments to live by, which in summary, in a very general sense, tell you don't think of yourself as special or don't try to strive to break the mould or do things differently. Don't think you're any good at anything. Don't you dare stand out. 
who are you to think that you're special? And in fact, my friend Andrea, who I mentioned earlier, sent me a clip about uh, Yantalo recently, which rarely gets discussed, I see, outside the hushed rooms in Norway. And it's a really useful summary of what it is. So if you're interested in learning more about Norwegian culture and society, then I've got you in the show notes. Check it out. That's if you haven't already heard me speak about Yantalor over the years in all my blogs and articles, because that stuff is real. Anyway, I'll link you, and I feel like this is a whole nother episode, to be honest, because we could really dig into that. I think it might be useful for so many of us to explore. So you can feel this Yantalor when you're at work or when you're crossing the street in Norway, for example. Like... People will wait for the green man, even when the roads are empty. You should try it out, you guys, if you're ever in Norway or those of you that are in Norway. Don't you find it's really fun and interesting? Safety first, though, obviously. But this Yantalor is asking us all to be the same. So you can imagine, given my own history and experience on this planet and knowing that I was never being accepted in Norway yet at the same time ordered to assimilate to be more Norwegian if I had a kroner for every time I've been told to behave more Norwegian I'd be set to be honest anyway you can understand Jantalor didn't go down too well with me and I'm into challenging the rules asking questions about why we do things to explore our own unique path and to celebrate our differences very serious ponderings. So we realised the breadth of our experiences since meeting that time at the Adult Education College, which was 13 years ago now, I realised, which is bananas. I drove my first HGV van when we ran this event at Brockwell Park, baby, and all the places we went and experiencing oh, the harrowing bombings in London and, and spending lunch breaks together in that wonderful city with the world at our feet and everything happening. Yeah, my dear friend spoke of her hesitancy to step into herself, but that it was a necessary practice to do so. Do you relate? Because no one is going to give you permission to be yourself more than you. In fact, it's your responsibility to do so, to step into yourself. And by that, I mean to step forward and to allow yourself to take up space, not to wait for anyone's permission or approval or validation, which can be hard in these times we live in, right? I mean, in the 80s and 90s, maybe it was easier to be a weirdo in ways, less publicness and more private possibilities to dweeb it out. <laughs> to be into stuff that wasn't mainstream was an effort. You had to work to access information and do your research. But now anyone can kind of be part of a subculture purely based on aesthetic. Do you know what I mean? And that's not a criticism because whatever, you know, like what you like to look at. But I guess I'm waffling. Um, but what I was thinking about was a clip I saw recently of RuPaul in New York in the 80s, which I can't stop thinking about and how she took up space and was just captivating and clear in voice and vision as now. And I wondered how Rue had that kind of confidence to be undeterred to create space outside the mainstream rules, despite living in some really scary and challenging times and places. You know, in some 
places of the world. They wrote, I'm not mentioning any names here, but they romanticised New York in the 80s has been this idyllic time. And I hear it so often in culture scenes, usually very mainstream and white culture scenes. But we can't ever forget the art and creativity that was New York in the 80s was made by black and brown and queer people. They weren't allowed to participate in the mainstream and so instead created their own spaces, their own art, their own rules as far as they could. To me, that can't be co-opted or copied as an aesthetic. It was real life and came from experiencing what it was like to be an outsider, to be an immigrant or from an immigrant family, to be poor and make so much out of nothing, to share beauty from the ugliest situations. I'm going off on a tangent here, but you all know how my favourite film is Paris is Burning. So if you haven't seen that documentary, I really recommend you check it out to get a flavour of what I'm talking about. But yeah, this clip of Rue owning space from way back when until now inspires me for sure. And I find thinking about my role models and muses really helpful as they all share this similar thread of being confident in who they are and creating space for themselves to fully be themselves despite not fitting in according to the mainstream ideal. But I mean, it's a challenge in any age, I think, right? To step up to the plate of confidence and take your helping. And there's usually some kind of monologue that runs, who am I to take what I want? Who am I to be perfectly content with who I am? It's conceited to be confident, be humble. But confidence doesn't mean arrogance. I think confidence is about standing in yourself, your own authentic truth, having integrity. And because of that, there's a knowing of self, which is an inner confidence. You're being and living your truth, doing you, and I don't think we should be shy of it. Because I feel that the people that are trying to tear others down and saying, be humble when someone already is humble, are just insecure because it's triggering something in themselves, right? But I think especially if you feel like an outsider, especially if you feel your face doesn't fit, if you've ever been other, and you're trying to do things differently in the world, we shouldn't be shy of stepping into ourselves and owning our space. And really, this is why I support people on that path every day. I want us all to flip and shine and be comfortable in our own skin, to create our own path, even if it looks like nothing we've ever seen before. Creating and holding space for ourselves to live the life that we dream of to make it real, and to be doing work in the world that lights us up. So yeah, a little reminder for those of you who might be looking for support with that, check out my creative coaching programs where I work one-to-one -one with you to make stuff real. Even if you have no idea what the hell that is yet, I walk with you as we dive deep to get clear, explore what you want, as well as creating a path to get there that is sustainable. There's a gigantic Q&A on my site 
dion.space forward slash coaching, where I talk about the kinds of things I've worked with people on. And also, if it's not a great time for you right now to explore coaching, know that I'm cheering you on. So do check out my site anyway, dion.space, for tons of free resources like blog posts, downloads, videos and audio moments, darling, as well as the Weekly Digest, which delivers the newest fresh baked goods right to your inbox. Or if you want to get together in real life, you can come to one of my events. I'll be in Norway at the end of the month for my autumn workshops, last few spaces, and also do stay tuned for something I've been working on behind the scenes for wherever you are in the world with an internet connection. Yes. So back to this gigantic question of whether you are stepping into yourself. So my dear friend and I that I told you the story about, we have lots in common. We're both mixed race and we have lived, whatever mixed race is, you know, I mean, language is powerful, right? Identity is a really big one. This is a whole nother episode again, but yeah, for the sake of a time, we're both mixed and have lived within the margins of many things in many ways. She's also other and understands life on the fringes. She's super talented and has incredible visions and dreams, but doesn't necessarily see spaces for her out there or people out there who are reflecting that to her and taking up space in that way and what's ironic is my friend is that for so many people but it's also necessary for us to have folks in our corner to support and guide us and hold space for us to see ourselves whatever age we are or whatever stage of life we're at so what's holding us back from stepping into ourselves is it the lack of role models who reflect us Of course, we know life in the West isn't the most diverse by any stretch. It's rare to see any kind of diversity reflected to us from the mainstream. We have to be out here blindly trusting and creating the things we want to see in the world. And it also means that there's that very tired but very real fact that as other, you have to work twice as hard to get anywhere, sometimes 10 times as hard. There's also the amplification of that very lonely place, self-doubt, to deal with. Because there's no manual or guidelines to follow. Sometimes we might get scared we're wrong. And this is making me think of a chapter in a book that was released recently called Slay in Your Lane. Have you read it? I'll link it for you in the show notes, also known as the Black Girl's Bible. Anyway, I recommend everybody read it for some perspectives from other people's stories on their life journey. It's always beneficial for us to have a range of different perspectives, right? And that's why I started the other book club. If you're not sure what that is, you can head to dion.space or have a look on my Instagram saved stories under book club and you'll see some of my recommendations there. So slay in your lane. And I'm thinking in particular about the story of Dr. Maggie Adairin Pocock. MBE, space scientist and co-host of BBC Two's astronomy show, The Sky at Night. I don't have iPlayer, but if I did, I'd probably watch it, not sponsored. (laughs) There's a really interesting story about her early years at school and she had dyslexia. So the teachers just assumed that because she was dyslexic, she wasn't bright. I mean, this is an issue for as long as I can remember, which is 
very a very prehistoric way of thinking and things need to change but her story was about being put in a remedial class and kind of ignored and um, not nourished at all in her school and she was sitting in class one day and she she describes a specific moment when it was a science class and a teacher asked a question and I'll read this to you because it's better than me paraphrasing. The question was, if one litre of water weighs one kilogram, how much does one cubic centimetre of water weigh? Of course, I wouldn't know where to begin answering that, but she writes, now, a cubic centimetre is one one thousandth of a litre. And I worked out, oh, that would be one gram. So I put my hand up to answer the question and I looked around the class and no one else had their hand up. Now, knowing that I was the dumb one in the remedial class, I put my hand back down because I thought I couldn't be right. But then I decided to give it a go and I answered the question and I got it right and I suddenly thought, maybe I'm not as dumb as I thought. And science is a subject that gets people into space. And so I thought, if I study science, maybe I can go to space. That was a real turnaround for me. So I started paying more attention in science classes. And as my science grades started going up, my other grades went up too. After that, I got lots of encouragement at school because that's when they saw I had an aptitude. And it goes on to talk about manifestations of unconscious bias in the classroom, particularly towards young black girls, where they're assumed to be stupid and how they're often overlooked. But... I guess the reason I'm sharing this with you is because I definitely relate to that feeling of being discounted and not believing in myself to question myself even if I know the answer. And by knowing the answer, I mean it might just be by doing a job, by having a career, by having achievements in my life. I would discount them or dismiss them and not step into myself, not own it. And of course, there's a whole layer to this to do with the education system in the UK, which the book talks about. I've read a lot of books about studies on race and education. It's mainly from the US or Caribbean perspective, but not so often about a black British perspective. And they explore how black girls are practically invisible in the education system, that on paper, because they're doing better than black boys or other groups, that they're seen as being okay and therefore neglected or ignored when in fact imagine nurturing that talent do you know what I mean I'm also thinking about Serena Williams now have you seen that video recently of clips of her and her father training and I'm sure you might know of this amazing self-belief that her father instilled in her as she was growing up and training and becoming the most incredible athlete in the world I think um, and yet being confident and owning that space, she's still discounted and people just want to tear her down. I'm not selling this stepping into yourself, am I? But I, <laughs> I guess I feel it's necessary because when you step into yourself, you're not relying on other people's opinions of you. You're trusting and knowing that within yourself. And that's, that's the part that I think is really important, that it's not about the outside gaze. It's not about outside validation. So that book is great. There's so much in there that resonated with me, that spoke to me, that actually has haunted me for years 
in my own experience of going to school for times in the UK and also lucky enough to have been to a couple of schools in the Caribbean and just how different that experience was. And yeah, I, I really recommend that book, Slay in Your Lane. If you get a chance to read it, I will link you in the show notes. So back to my friend, also other, also understanding life on the fringes, also having visions and is super talented but doesn't see spaces for her out there or people taking up space in that way, not having role models, not really trusting her own capabilities. We get scared that we're wrong. We doubt ourselves. And so there's all of this stuff that gets in the way. And sometimes that's structural institutional and systemic, like in the case of anyone black and brown living in this world, particularly in white spaces. But there's also the human level of self-doubt or the lack of confidence that hampers our ability to step into ourselves and trust ourselves. And those things, of course, can be very much connected because it can take longer for us to get to where we want to go because we're fighting oppression left, right and centre. And when we arrive, we're also questioning if we're even allowed to be there. You know what I mean? That's on my mind a lot and I've definitely spent time in many a room asking questions about whether I was entitled to even be in the space. That's on my mind a lot because at some point in life we have to claim who we are, to own it, to fuck the system and to create our own spaces, to stick a middle finger up to things being done a certain way that isn't working for everybody just because it's always been done that way to enable all of us to participate, to create your own space to do you, to create your own mold and banish self-doubt and have confidence in who you are and what you're about and understand that there's no need for comparison, to be your own validation, to roll with people who appreciate you and your otherness and what makes you special And to keep your blinkers on from the naysayers, those who don't get your vision. Because there'll be people out there who do. So to practice trust and taking up space regardless and allowing other people to meet you there, rather than feeling you need to adapt to fit in. And I see this all the time in places like Instagram. And I go a bit crazy when I see the same old places and things showing up when I go into that uh, popular space which is very rare but still you know the business courses that promise you your first 4k (laughs) which is bull the yoga schools that churn out teachers that are encouraged to all be alike and all do the same stuff and have the same script the same limited dogmatic perspectives and to not go on a journey of self-inquiry and to remain the student to have your own practice to develop your own practice and understanding of the teachings and the teachings that aren't just from one strain but understanding and exploring the actual history, the history that wasn't written by a colonial force. Do you know what I mean? To develop our own opinions about things like appropriation and to look at ourselves and understand what it is that we're doing in the world, you know? to form our own opinions that aren't just going with a popular vote but are our opinions because we've done our research or we are learning. And just because we do our research and just because we learn doesn't mean we have to be fixed in an idea. It means we can be open and flexible to evolving, be challenged and to be wrong and to change our perspective, you know? 
We see it in our societies and the advertisements and lack of diversity in all forms. The way that we're encouraged to assimilate and quash our dreams because they don't fit the mainstream or because it hasn't been done before and so on. It's no wonder so many of us struggle with the confidence to step into ourselves and create our own space in the world. My clients are a bunch of incredible humans and they inspire me every day to walk bravely on this path and this topic. For example, I had a client that would be so self-depreciating about her work. She would belittle all of her achievements and deny any praise or compliments. And at the same time, she was feeling frustrated because she wasn't getting the bookings for her business and struggled to see the correlation. Her natural disposition was one that felt undeserving of praise and reward. She was scared to take up space in the world as her full self, and that meant that she was underselling what she was doing. I know, the word still makes me feel weird too. Let's think about it another way. In terms of what you do in the world, be it work for someone else or work for yourself. In order to progress, at some point, you're going to need someone to have confidence in your abilities so they can put their trust in you. That might be so you can be considered for a raise or a progression within a company. Also, your customers can believe in you and support your work. Having confidence in your own abilities means you take up space in a different way. This is a very basic example, but bear with me. Imagine if you were getting on a plane and your pilot or stewards were behaving in a way that was insecure. That kind of energy is not big dick energy and it spreads real fast, right? On the most turbulent flights, one reassuring thing is to see how calm and confident the flight staff are. They know it's all good. Okay, this example is a bit morbid, but you get the gist, right? So my client and I sat down to look at ways to build more trust in what they were doing. We created a framework that was rooted in fact, because somehow that's harder to dismiss, right? So using facts to build confidence, it meant looking at what my client had achieved and we broke it down to the nitty gritty from the smallest to the biggest achievement. I guess it's similar to how you would do a gratitude journal, but taking your attention and energy to the stuff that's working so that you can increase your confidence and practice expanding that energy so that you can bring about more of it. You know what I mean? Kind of like affirmation work. And as simple as it sounds, I find it's really effective. And I've been thinking about what I tell my younger self. And I think it would be to own my own space. Growing up as a woman and as a brown woman, I was told from a young age, brainwashed in fact, with this idea that my life wouldn't amount to anything. That I wasn't important. That I should not ask for what I want or dare to dream for anything. That however hard I worked, it wouldn't be rewarded so to settle and just be happy with my lot. Which I guess in some ways was advice that could have protected me, but I feel I've spent so many years living with this great guilt as I see how I was defiant and hungry, but that it was radical and broke the rules. That I didn't listen to the people who told me I couldn't do stuff. That instead I used the haters as fuel and the naysayers and those who wanted me to know my place as ammunition for me to keep pushing forwards. I asked questions, I went above and beyond, and in many cases, that led to burnout. 
but it also brought me to this point of learning to practice being enough. To be confident to ask for what I want and to go for it, but also to be okay to not do it all to the point where it's detrimental to my health. It's enabled me to trust in my own voice and vision and step into that rather than looking for outside validation, be that through praise or the silence of your haters. You know what I mean? It takes confidence and trusting in yourself is something that I practice and work on every day. And I think it's vital for all of us in our growth. A word or two on the importance of creating space for yourself when running your own business and when you don't fit into the mainstream. Ultimately, holding space for ourselves to step into ourselves is good for the world. The world needs your gifts. It needs your weirdness, your ideas, your wonder, your uniqueness, your creations. So to those of you who might be running your own business or you're out there in the world and working on your confidence in order to take up more space, I want to remind you how important you are and how much I admire you and how much the world needs you to show up and to do your work. By existing, you are doing the work. We all know that there's a lot of pressure to fit into ways of being and neat ideas of doing things. Often I wonder to myself when I see those carbon copied mainstream influences, what is it about humans need to fit? Of course, so much of this is connected to our biological need for survival, to not be ostracized from our tribes because that meant a matter of life or death. P.S. I'll never stop feeling weird about how middle class self-proclaimed girl bosses are using that word and it makes my stomach feel funny. I don't think I'll ever stop feeling weird about how the word tribe has been co-opted and used as a marketing tool. Anyway, as a brown woman running various businesses, most of which are in industries that are dominated by men like DJing and putting on music events, and others dominated by white people, for example, the yoga and wellness and coaching industries, which is weird because so much of the stuff that's being regurgitated comes from indigenous cultures or from black and brown people but there we go anyway there's lots of folks out there that are ready to tell you how you should be doing things and what's correct and what's going to make you six figures and what will help make you most popular online and all of that and sure that might work for some people go ahead and do your thing maybe your face fits but here's the thing that I feel really lucky to have learned from a really young age Actually, at the age of four, when I was first called the N-word at school. And ever since, whenever I've been ostracised or excluded or told that I'd never be anything or that whatever I was doing, that I'd never succeed, be it in yoga, wherever I've moved and taught, I've had those same messages, the naysayers, the people working in yoga who just wanted to make me feel small. I've had it in music and I've had it in coaching as well. And I've experienced it when moving to various countries, and so on. There will be people who will try to make you feel small. Who will try to control that free spirit that they see in you, or that difference that makes you unique, that makes you special, that makes you who you are. And they'll try and quash that. Maybe taking a bit off for themselves in the process, a little slice. 
I want to remind you that those parts of yourself, those unique parts, the weird parts, that's what makes you, you. That's what makes you interesting. That's what makes your gift so special. No one else can do it like you. And I'm not using my experiences to glow, let me tell you. This is a proclamation for all of us. A song about the state of independence. Yes, I'm Donna Summer in you because we all need her. P.S. Do you know who did the backing vocals for that track? An all-star choir put together by a man like Quincy Jones, no less. Basically, there was this super choir that he put together to sing on Donna's track and it included people like Michael Jackson... Lionel Richie, Dionne Warwick, Brenda Russell, Christopher Cross, Kenny Loggins, and Stevie Wonder. Can you imagine? Oh, who did your backing tracks? Oh, just like mega stars of the world. <laughs> the most incredibly talented humans on the planet. Brilliant. Good one. <laughs> In fact, it was a very good one. It's one of my favourite songs. <laughs> and I know this is a tangent, but I think, actually, this highlights a point because all of those people to me are trailblazers they're people who chose to ignore the rules and instead step into themselves they created their own spaces to do them unapologetically and also what's interesting about that song in particular the state of independence is the meaning of it and John Anderson, who was one of the writers of that song, he spoke about the meaning behind the lyrics of it and also what the word Orladian means. And this was taken from a 2013 interview. And he said, the concept of the song is the state of independence that we are growing into. And Orladian was the sort of mythical person that opened the remembering gate. And the remembering gate is a poem by a famous English poet. We start to remember our truth we start to remember our reality. So each line in the song is very, very positive. It's a worldwide collection of each line. It was the idea that it was easier to discern truth and life as a game. It's not as complicated as we make it in the West. The Caribbean sense of freedom derives from the meditative state. Meditation, something to do with the Caribbean, is African, very Ethiopian essentially. The music from Ethiopia created reggae, calypso, all these kinds of rhythms. Ska, it all comes from Ethiopia. And I was really aware in my head about all of that. So I was trying to do this worldwide oneness again. And that's what the song is about. State of independence. It's all about how the truth will come. Okay, I know that was a tangent, but a great illustration of standing in your truth for the greater good. And truth and authenticity and integrity are part of our fundamental nature. It's simple. So getting back to source is essential for us to find our space in the world, but also to connect with others. By holding space for ourselves, we hold space for other people to be themselves too. Which is really comforting, especially if we've ever felt shy or weird or isolated or scared to fully own it. And I think a beautiful way of thinking about it is the story of the ugly duckling. We all know that one, right? It's a universal tale that has been adapted in different cultures, but essentially carries the same message. So if you're not familiar with the story, basically a mama duck has some eggs and they all hatch bar one. And this one egg is bigger than the others and it takes longer to hatch. 
Eventually it does, and the duck doesn't look like the rest of them. It gets teased and bullied for being different. And at first, the mama duck tries to dismiss the difference and assure everyone around in the community that this alternative duck is in fact a duck. And this poor little indie duck can't get any peace and it's constantly asked to prove itself. And it goes out into the lake and has a swim to prove that it's a duck. And it can swim and it can fly a little, but it's still not enough for the community to see. They still don't accept this little indie duck. So eventually the mama duck gets fed up and says to this ugly duckling that she wishes it would just leave. So this poor little indie ugly duckling is banished and goes on a quest to try and find its people. You can imagine it goes on a mission and meets all kinds of creatures and this little indie duckling has lots of little things in common with them but also lots of differences as well which means that it's not fully accepted, it's still rejected. Onward, the indie ugly duckling maintains the quest until eventually comes across some swans. Of course, the ugly duckling is a swan and finds its people. It's um, swan mates, if you will. And so there's multiple meanings of this story, but for me, the most meaningful is the reassurance for all weirdos out there looking for their place, but also looking to step into themselves in all their weirdness, all their uniqueness. And you know I use weirdness to mean goodness, right? Anyway, if you're into this, then you will love one of my all-time ever favourite books, which is called Women Who Run With The Wolves. It's by Clarissa Pincus Estes. And she has a whole chapter dedicated to the ugly duckling and dives deep into all the layers of meaning. It's really, really fascinating. So I want to close this podcast by sharing a passage with you about her interpretation of a part of this story, being other and celebrating it. This part is called Exile as Boon. If you've ever attempted to fit whatever mould and failed to do so, you're probably lucky. You may be an exile of some sort, but you've sheltered your soul. There's an odd phenomenon that occurs when one keeps trying to fit and fails. Even though the outcast is driven away, she is at the same time driven right into the arms of her psychic and true kin. Whether these be a course of study, an art form, or a group of people. It is worse to stay where one does not belong at all than to wander about lost for a while and looking for the psychic and soulful kinship one requires. It is never a mistake to search for what one requires. Never. There is something useful in all this talk and tension. Something in the duckling is being tempered being made strong by this exile. While this situation is not one we would wish on anyone for any reason, its effect is similar to pure natural carbon under pressure producing diamonds. It leads eventually to a profound magnitude and clarity of psyche. There is an aspect of alchemy wherein the base substance of lead is pounded about and beaten down. While exile is not a thing to desire for the fun of it, there is an unexpected gain from it. The gifts of exile are many. It takes out weakness by the pounding. It removes whininess, enables acute insight, heightens intuition, grants the power of keen observation and perspective that the quote-unquote insider can never achieve. Even though there are negative aspects to it, the wild psyche can endure exile. 
It makes us yearn that much more to free our own true nature and causes us to long for a culture to match. Even this yearning, this longing, makes a person go on. It makes a woman go on looking. And if she cannot find the culture that encourages her, then she usually decides to construct it herself. And that is good, for if she builds it, others who have been looking for a long time will mysteriously arrive one day enthusiastically proclaiming that they have been looking for this all along. And she goes on. Do not cringe and make yourself small if you are called the black sheep, the maverick, the lone wolf. Those with slow seeing say a nonconformist is a blight on society. But it has been proven over the centuries that being different means standing at the edge, means one is practically guaranteed to make an original contribution, a useful and stunning contribution to her culture. When seeking guidance, don't ever listen to the tiny-hearted. Be kind to them, heap them with blessing, cajole them, but do not follow their advice. If you have ever been called defiant, incorrigible, forward, cunning, insurgent, unruly, rebellious, you're on the right track. Wild woman is close by. And if you have never been called these things, there is yet time. Practice your wild woman, underlay, and again. That, my friends, is why I do what I do. I am here on this planet to raise others up, to celebrate them, to reassure them, to help them find clarity and walk with them on the journey of owning themselves, owning who they are, holding space for you to do you, and do it in a way that is real and authentic, rooted in integrity. It's connected to everything, work, life, soul, feeling well. Holding space for yourself is a lifestyle, you get me? And so, if this speaks to you and you're interested, then I'd love us to work together. I'm opening up a couple of slots to work with me over a six month program with my one-to-one creative coaching where we'll dive deep into all of this stuff. The nitty gritty of who we are and how we show up in the world. Creating the things we want to see in the world. And that might look like exploring options we haven't considered before as we embark on changing our careers. It might look like how we take care of ourselves and rehaul our entire wellness and self-care strategy. It might look like starting our own business, the one we dreamed of all those years ago. It might be about nourishing our creative spirit and making that work alongside our day-to-day life. It might be all of that and more, but either way, there's no conundrum too big, no situation too stuck. Know that you have the power to step into yourself, to create change you want to see, to practice courage and to step into yourself. So I really hope that you feel encouraged and also feel the love that I'm sending you through these sound waves into your ear holes and hopefully somehow resonating energetically, vibrationally in your body and energy center, energy spaces, etc. 
Oh, well, of course, it would not be a mammoth episode without me sharing a playlist to accompany this episode. So you know what to do. Head over to the show notes to get it or find and follow me on Spotify, babes. My handle is Min Dion, M-I-N Dion. And the transcript of this show will also be available for you along with all the links and memes, etc. So head to dion.space forward slash podcast. And this is episode 17. You can also just head to ifeelforyoupodcast.com if you prefer. We live in both places. We're everywhere, right? <laughs> so darlings, I meant to just plop out a small show for you, but here we are again. The tangents, they just keep rolling up. But you know, I feel it's all connected and I really hope it's useful and inspiring for you to go on a mind journey. <laughs> Lots of thinking and pondering and chewing, right? <laughs> but I'd love to know what you think. So do get in touch. I love to hear from you. So please tell me what you think about taking up space and confidently stepping into yourself. You can email me, I feel for you podcast at gmail.com. You can leave me a comment in the show notes. You can find me on social media, on Instagram, a fair amount most days. My handle is Dion with seven underscores. I know, extra. I'll link it for you in the show notes. But yeah, find me somewhere. Tell me what you think. And of course, if you feel like it, maybe give me a rating and a review. iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts because it really helps other like-minded folks find the show, which is so amazing. I would love to be able to find those other people who maybe don't feel they fit into the mainstream, but just need some reassurance, just need a virtual hug and an uplifting dance <laughs> via the podcast. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> so feel very welcome and encouraged to share this podcast with someone you think might dig it too, because I'm sure if they're like you, they're my people too because you're my people I love my people I love you thank you for taking this journey with me and I look forward to meeting you in the next episode thanks so much for listening take care of you Music